0: Episode 179, King Jotham and Ahaz The day King Uzzah was struck with leprosy, around the time of the great earthquake in Israel, something shifted in our biblical history timeline. Northern Israel basically received its death sentence if they didn't repent, and Judah would soon be added to the list. Prosperity was to be taken for northern Israel, and Judah's descent to destruction was also set but at a later time. When Uzzah was struck with leprosy, we're introduced to a new king in Jerusalem. His name is Jotham, and he rules as regent immediately upon his father getting struck with leprosy. Here is his not-so-lengthy account. Second Chronicles 27 Jotham was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. His mother's name was Jerusa daughter of Zadok. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Uzzah had done. But unlike him, he did not enter the temple of the Lord. The people, however, continued their corrupt practices. Jotham rebuilt the upper gate of the temple of the Lord and did extensive work on the wall at the hill of Ophel. He rebuilt towns in the hill country of Judah and forts and towers in the wooded areas. Jotham waged war against the king of the Ammonites and conquered them. That year the Ammonites paid him a hundred talents of silver, ten thousand cores of wheat, and ten thousand cores of barley. The Ammonites brought him the same amount also in the second and third years. Jotham grew powerful because he walked steadfast before the Lord his God. The other events in Jotham's reign, including all of his wars and the other things he did, are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. He was 25 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. Jotham rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David, and Ahaz, his son, succeeded him as king. This occurred at the end of the reign of Jeroboam II and into the nasty years of civil wars and assassinations in northern Israel. Now Jotham wasn't a bad king. In fact, he's listed as one of the good kings. And i like to think this is due to the fact that he was daily reminded of the power of God and the consequences of pride and foolishness every day he saw his own father and his leprosy. But not so his son. Jotham has a son named Ahaz, and he will be listed among the most wicked of Judah's kings. In fact, he's going to rival even the wickedness of northern Israel. Second Chronicles 28. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. Unlike David his father, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He followed the ways of the kings of Israel and also made idols for worshipping the Baals. He burned sacrifices in the valley of Ben-Hinnom and sacrificed his children in the fire, engaged in the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. He offered sacrifices and burned incense at the high places, on the hilltops and under every spreading tree. Okay, so I'm just amazed how we go from a good king to someone as demon-possessed as this guy. Listen to what he did. He made his own idols, he worshipped the horrible god Baal. He also worshipped Molech, and he sacrificed his own children in the fire to Molech. He burned incense as the high places of all sorts of gods. He even says, it even says every hilltop and spreading tree. They had dedications to foreign idols. What's going on here? He sacrifices his children, this Baal worship, the Molech worship at his worst. Only an extremely demonized individual would willingly give over and watch the death of their own children to fire and call it religion. This guy's messed up. Then it's like he works for the devil, probably unknowingly to defile the air over Judah by defiling the high places and stream, stream heads and water sources and every spreading tree just to get into the soil the nastiness of idol worship. The devil found his man and didn't waste a minute. You have to imagine the prophet Isaiah was revolted at this country all of a sudden. The wickedness must have been sickening, probably exceeding the wickedness of northern Israel for the kingship of this man, and it seems the people followed his horrible lead. And what does God do? Like the whip of correction, he allows Judah's enemies to rise up. Again, it's interesting how God allowed a nation to become the chastisement for another. God even empowered a wicked nation to become the d- discipline for this horrible sin going on in Judah. Think about this. Who is worse at this time? Ahaz of Judah or Pekah of Israel? How about this one? Who was worse, Stalin of Russia or Hitler of Germany? Both were terrible men of history. But Stalin helped tear down Hitler's demonic stronghold built by the Nazis and in the Holocaust. Pika was bad, but Ahaz was terrible, even conducting child sacrifices of his own children. Interesting thoughts from the perspective of tearing down of demonic strongholds. Sometimes war is what is required to take down the worst of demonic strongholds. On a side note, one of the things I, I... I do love military history, but... Something I enjoy doing is researching the causes of conflicts from a spiritual perspective. Maybe one day we'll cover the American Civil War or World War I or World War II from this perspective. And the history books do a good job of telling the leading up of wars and their causes. But when you add in the spiritual context and the perspectives of principalities and weighted wickedness inviting darkness, you get got a whole other perspective to history. Anyways, that was a side note. Maybe one day. Now we catch up to the invasion of Judah, mentioned weeks ago, and the ungodly alliance of Aram and northern Israel. Let's start with the invasion and stop at the gates of Jerusalem. Second Chronicles twenty eight five. Therefore the Lord his God delivered him into the hands of the king of Aram. The Arameans defeated him and took many of his people as prisoners and brought them to Damascus. He was also given into the hands of the king of Israel who inflicted heavy casualties on him. And one day, Pekah, son of Ramalia, killed 120,000 soldiers in Judah, because Judah had forsaken the Lord, the God of their ancestors. Zechariah, an Ephraimite warrior, killed Masiah, the king's son, Azrakam, the officer in charge of the palace, and Elkanah, the second to the king. The men of Israel took captive from the fellow Israelites, who were from Judah, 200,000 wives, sons, and daughters. They also took a great deal of plunder, which they carried back to Samaria. Okay, so to lose 120,000 men must have been a devastating battle. A most horrible slaughter in Israel. Jotham had a considerable and formidable army, but under the leadership of Ahaz, it must have been flanked by Aram and Israel in a pincer movement, and slaughter must have happened. Anyone with a weapon or that showed up to fight was probably killed. We don't hear about a battle occurring, but it must have been just a horrible rout. The disorganized slaughter of Judah by Aram and Israel seemed to have spun out of control for the armed forces as well. As the soldiers just went crazy stealing and looting, and then we can guess the leadership joins in on the mass capture and seizure of prisoners and theft of women and children. Now, we don't know where this prophet Obed, who shows up to save the day, comes from. We don't even know where Isaiah is. But we can assume he's in the palace in Jerusalem, taking it all in. But this Obed, he saves the day. And he lives in Israel and Samaria. Isn't it funny how the Lord just shows up through a prophet who we didn't even know existed? Have you thought about that? Where are the hidden prophets today? Where is someone going to come out of nowhere and rebuke the sinners? They have to be around. They were there back then. Maybe they hide in plain sight, providing the message that leads to repentance. But we never consider them a prophet before. But it's the Lord. Interesting to consider. Second 2 Chronicles 28.9 But a prophet of the Lord named Obed was there, and he went out to meet the army when it returned to Samaria. He said to them, Because the Lord, the God of your ancestors, was angry with Judah, he gave them into your hand. But you have slaughtered them in a rage that reaches to heaven. And now you intend to make the men and women of Judah and Jerusalem your slaves? But aren't you also guilty of sins against the Lord your God? Now listen to me. Send back your fellow Israelites you have taken as prisoners, for the Lord's fierce anger rests on you. Then some of the leaders in Ephraim confronted those who were arriving from the war. You must not bring those prisoners here, they said, or we will be guilty before the Lord. Do you intend to add to your sin and guilt? For our guilt is already great, and his fierce anger rests on Israel. So the soldiers gave up the prisoners and plunder in the presence of the officials and all the assembly. The men designated by name took the prisoners, and from the plunder they clothed all who were naked. They provided them with clothes and sandals, food and drink and healing balm. All those who were weak, they put on donkeys. So they took them back to their fellow Israelites at Jericho, the city of Palms, and returned to Samaria. So this is another one of those crazy stories. It happens way too often. The Lord allows another nation to be the chastening but they go too far in violence and plunder. Israel here went on a bloodbath and rampage, but the innocents were spared by literal intercession by Obed. Some more happens at this time. As the prisoners were brought back to Jericho and paroled back to Judah, other invasions occurred in Judah. The Edomites and Philistines attacked King Ahaz found no option in his eyes but to call upon other gods, and then he went to the Assyrians, like one of the long-ago ancestors of him did. The result was not what he desired. 2 Chronicles 28.16 At that time, King Ahaz went to the king of Assyria for help. The Edomites had again come and attacked Judah and carried away prisoners. While the Philistines had raided towns in the foothills in the Negev of Judah, they captured and occupied Beth Shemesh, Ajalon, and Gedaroth, as well as Soko, Timnah, and Gizmo, with their surrounding villages. The Lord had humbled Judah because of Ahaz, king of Israel, for he had promoted wickedness in Judah and had been most unfaithful to the Lord. Tiglath-Pileser king of Assyria came to him, but he gave him trouble instead of help. Ahaz took some of the things from the temple of the Lord and from the royal palace and from the officials and presented them to the king of Assyria, but that did not help him. In this time of trouble, king Ahaz became even more unfaithful to the Lord. He offered sacrifices to the gods of Damascus who had defeated him. For he thought, since the gods of the kings of Aram had helped them, I will sacrifice to them so they will help me. But they were his downfall and downfall of all of Israel. Ahaz gathered together the furnishings from the temple of God and cut them in pieces. He shut the doors of the Lord's temple and set up altars at every street corner in Jerusalem. In every town in Judah he built up high places to burn incense and burn sacrifices to other gods and arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of his ancestors. So Judah is being invaded by every side. The citizens, even the deportees arriving in Jericho, escaped to Jerusalem, swelling the population of the city, which was now becoming the last refuge of the kingdom of Judah. Aram and Israel, by default, converge their armies on Jerusalem. I get to take the Philistines, and Edomites just came for the plunder as well, and a bit of land, and they get out of the way as the Arameans and Israelites invade. Ahaz, instead of giving in to repentance, only hardened his heart, placing him among one of the wickedest kings to ever rule Judah. So we stop here as the Arameans and Israelites converge on Jerusalem and place it under siege, because it becomes the backdrop of one of the greatest prophecies ever spoken in the world. To conclude this episode a Message to Kings, we should cover this horrible King Ahaz a bit more. Ever heard of the phrase that when the pressure comes, you know what is inside of you? It comes from the fact that diamonds and many precious stones are made through extreme pressure. When you get squeezed, you know what is inside of you. King Ahaz is getting squeezed from every side. Even Ahab, when confronted with the doom of his kingdom and his life, he repented. Here is Ahaz, not Ahab who finds everything falling apart. His world, his kingdom is collapsing around him. He worships every idol imaginable. He worshiped the god of the Edomites, who invaded his country. I'm sure the same for the Philistines. There was probably some golden calf in there as well, and of course he worshiped the god of the Arameans. Desperation, he switched probably also even to worship the god of the Assyrians. Nothing was working for him. But he got more wicked. He closed the doors to the temple of God and worshipped every demon imaginable and set up idols and burned incense at every corner in Jerusalem. He's the worst. He has surely oppressed those who believed as well. He sacrificed his own son, his own children, it says, to Molech when all is collapsing around him. He refuses to turn to the real answer. Ahaz got squeezed and a horrible infection came out, polluting everyone around him. Ahaz was so bad he only got worse and worse. Most likely possessed by the devil himself, Ahaz hung on to power, determined to destroy Judah or let others do it for him. Now here's the real miracle of miracles. We've always stated how God has a remnant, always. What's amazing is how Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, succeeds him later and is known for an international revival and is attributed with praying for one of the greatest miracles in the entire Old Testament. Ahaz has sacrificed multiple children in the fire to Molech Others were killed or captured in battle. The next in line just happens to be the godly one who will restore things and even be the one who will assist with ending the Assyrian dominance in the world. God wasn't going to allow Ahaz to destroy everything. The devil slipped in. He he slipped in and assumed power in Jerusalem. All that Ahaz built up as a principality would be gone in the next generation. The horrible king's legacy would be a godly king that tore down everything his father built. But what we have now is like this bipolar possibility for kings. A wonderful, happy, godly king could easily be followed by insanity mixed with suicidal devil worship. Welcome to the kingdom of Judah in the next few generations. Whose eyewitness to bipolar kingship is never changing, but ever surprising actions of the prophets Isaiah and Micah breathe fresh air in witness to the upcoming godly and ungodly generations. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Message to Kings. Feel free to visit the website, messagetokings.com. Share the Facebook page or if you want to chat. Email us at kings at gmail.com.